Smut Report! Welcome back to the Smut Report podcast, and more importantly, welcome back to Put Up Your Dukes. I'm Holly. I'm Erin. And I'm Ingrid. And we are super excited to be talking about our next two Dukes in our bracket. So today we're going to be discussing Fletcher Pride, the Duke of Greycourt from Project Duchess by Sabrina Jeffries, and Valentine Napier, the Duke of Montgomery from Duke of Sin by Elizabeth Hoyt. So to start off with, let's talk about the what are our expectations. And so Ingrid, you added Project Duchess to our bracket in terms of awesome duke so why'd you pick this book or this duke again i picked my books largely because of online charts but i also had happened to have already read this one and i think i just kind of felt like it would be a solid middleweight but could knock Mm -hmm. some others out of the running so that's kind of where i I stood with project duchess i'm not sure i would sat there and thought to myself my goodness that was a memorably great duke because i don't remember anything but I was like, I've read this one. I feel like this was pretty good. And all these people online are saying it was a great Duchess book. So we're going to go with it. That's totally fair. I'm trying to remember if I've read anything else by Sabrina Jeffries before. And I, you know, she's like kind of around in my awareness, but I don't know that I had before this one. Yeah, same. I, it could have been that like back in the day before I kept track of books, I read some Sabrina Jeffries. I mean, she's definitely writing in the space that I used to read exclusively, but. I wasn't totally sure what to expect. Yeah, I, a, definitely I at least expected a serviceable Regency-ish romance. Yeah, I'll talk about Duke of Sin because I'm obsessed with this book. And I think actually Aaron and I both nominated this book, but I read Duke of Sin two years ago, maybe for the first time when we talked about morality chain romances. And I was like, Aaron, I don't get it. Morality chain, what is this? And then I read this book and I was like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> and and then I went back and binge read the entire series that this book is a part. This is book 10 in the series. So I read the whole series. And then I started reading everything else in Elizabeth Hoyt's backlist. So it's been a really fun adventure. And so Elizabeth Hoyt has written actually quite a few Dukes, like this Maiden Lane series. There's like four or five Duke books out of the 12. But I picked this one because Valentine Napier is the best Duke. And also because I knew that Ingrid would be so horrified by this book. And I was really (laughs) excited to talk about it with her. Spoiler, she was scandalized. Thoroughly scandalized. Scandalized or horrified, though? I I think that there's definitely some overlapping feelings there horrified and scandalized really i mean i also think this book is fabulous just as a read i read it last year i read it after holly but it had been on my tbr for a while and it was just it was just a delight but i do like a good morality chain so it's not surprising that i enjoyed it but i also when holly put duke of sin on like one of our early draft lists i was like oh my god yes (laughs) let's see what ingrid says so i'll be honest i expected Going into it, I expected Valentine to win this round, and that's what I put on my draft bracket. Yeah. I mean, I also expected Valentine to win this round. I, in fact, have Valentine going all the way. Not he doesn't win, but in the final two. So I wish I keep forgetting that we're on a podcast and I just keep shaking my head with disappointment, but it's fine. It's fine. That book, that guy. 
that ridiculous. That, all right. That ridiculous man. guy. So, Ingrid, can you summarize Duke of Sin in one sentence? <sighs> Seemingly perfectly reasonable housekeeper falls for mentally unstable, probably psychopathic Duke who will probably destroy her life in two minutes. That's my summary. You cannot tell me he's not psychopathic. That guy is insane. No, I'm thinking of like, I'm like, well, that's not how I would say it, but you're not wrong. <laughs> okay, I'll do it nicely this time. So basically- No, no, you're right. No, I feel like that's a, that's a perfectly accurate plot summary. I mean, there's more to the plot than that, but it's just basically like a series of plot twists that lead you to be feeling increasingly aghast and also kind of confused, like- Apparently, this guy is really attractive. None of the descriptions made me feel that he was actually attractive, but that might just be me. Apparently is. He just seemed like a very small, intense psychopath. I'll fight you on it. Go ahead. Start talking. Okay. My summary of this one, then, I think will be phlegmatic housekeeper plants herself in the Duke's household to prevent further blackmail, but the Duke's entire life mission is blackmailing everyone so he can have all the power until she intrigues him enough to become his conscience. Okay. How would I summarize it? Okay. Vain, hedonistic, self-centered Duke finally meets somebody who he cares about more than himself. And also there's some kidnappings. Like three kidnappings. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't even properly express my feelings right now because I'm just like, this book was beyond the pale, beyond the pale, because it was just absolute banana pants. I can start with Project Duchess, maybe. I will say Sanctimonious Duke has to go visit his family and in so doing gets embroiled in a possible murder mystery and preparations for the London come out of two ladies, one of whom he accidentally falls madly in love with. All right. My summary is family of Duke brothers investigate a murder, deal with long simmering family resentment, and give dancing lessons. <laughs> I was like, oh, the dancing lesson scene. Ah, my favorite. I don't know that I can do a whole lot better than you guys. Yeah, like murder mystery unfolds at family funeral where they are also preparing to women for their come out and fancy Duke man falls madly in love with smart and witty debutante. Yeah. Well. I mean, I guess she's a hoyden. She's 26. She's kind of a spinster. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Spinster hoyden debutante. I didn't find her terribly hoydenish, though. Well, they taught, they call her a hoyden. I all know the time. they do, but. You know, she trains dogs. She or was. Something. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. I've read much more hoydenish hoyden. I mean, and I feel like a key piece of information is that he suspects her brother of being the murderer. So there's mm -hmm. like. He does, but he but maybe doesn't. That doesn't matter. If well, his brother suspects her brother, and he's kind of like, "Ugh, this." Okay, but it, it it does come into play in their relationship. That's true. I don't know. For a book with intrigue, like a book based on intrigue, there wasn't a lot of intrigue. It was very standard. Yeah. Well, so I feel like this is an, a really interesting contrast, right? Because 
in this case, we have two very different dukes and very different types of dukes because Grey, Grey Court, is very... I guess he had a traumatic childhood too. I mean, not as traumatic, but like where his guardian was trying to get him to sign over a bunch of property. And so he would beat him, starve him, lock him in closets, you know, standard evil guardian stuff. Can't believe I'm being so flippant about child abuse. This is what Well, that's because the other one was horrendous. Well, this one was pretty, honestly, I think it's because the book treated it somewhat flippantly. Like there was a moment toward the end of Project Duchess, maybe it was when he was kind of sorting some stuff out with his mother and he ultimately decided not to tell her what actually happened to him. He's like, it's just fine. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like you have such deep trauma that you won't go anywhere without food in your pockets, but yeah. everything is fine? I don't I don't think so. That was really weird to me. That's because it's like there were so many moments when she put in these little moments of like, wow. That was a very bad situation. Well, Holly said, starving, locked in cupboards, gaslit, trying to manipulate him into giving away his properties, even though he was a minor, like just lots of really bad stuff. And I mean, it's understandable to a certain extent that Great Court is like, no, I mean, I'm fine now. (laughs) When he is clearly not fine now. (laughs) But when they're actually coming to terms with grappling with it in the narrative, it doesn't really get treated with deep emotion in the text. That doesn't really yeah. have to do with like what kind of duke he is. So I couldn't remember what he looked like. We talked a lot about how dukes have appeared in the past. And so it's like, well, I don't even remember what this guy looks like. Apparently, Holly, you were right. Right. He does have black hair and oh, a very well. fine arse. Well, so it was very striking to me because... The heroine reflects on how handsome he is several times in the book. But it's always right after she describes what he's wearing. and mm. But they're like super boring Regency clothes. It's like a black morning suit and shiny hessians. And I think she's just like really hot about his boots. You know, the last <laughs> sentence will be talking about his really great boots. And then she's like, man, he's <laughs> so attractive. <laughs> I mean, a nice pair of boots. But, 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 yeah. yeah, but there's not a lot of detail about what he looks like or I feel like he he's almost he has some kind of weird emotional constipation stuff and he's very focused on making a lot of money so that he can repair his estates and that's kind of all. Although he's a good you know, interestingly he's He's a good duke, but he's not taking his seat in Lords. Wait, I thought it was interesting that he was very much presented as, I think he is presented as having power, but I'm not sure he's presented as having any greater power than any other high-ranking Lord. Mm-hmm. And he is presented as the kind of duke who would want to earn a lot of money, but so that he could pour it back into renovating his tenants' houses. Or it's that kind of good Duke where like, oh, I'm not out for myself. I'm out for the greater community. Just like, Mm -hmm. okay, dude. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, well, he's, he's very, um, like, he's a very standard, we're just gonna be a like, 
emotionally constipated good duke yeah, i'm yeah. the oldest son i'm kind of rigid i don't really like to talk about my feelings but i feel like the series is also just like ridiculous because it's a f- there are three dukes in the family <laughs> Because there are three dukes in the family. So, like, the third husband was a second son who inherited after his brother's death. So I'm like, okay, fine. You're a second son. Maybe you'll marry a widow with three small children. Maybe. But, like, her second husband, who I think died before her second kids were born, maybe? I don't remember. Yes. That's right. What duke is going to marry a widow with a two-year-old? I feel like that's just, like, not what they're looking for in their bloodline. Well, you know, to be fair, they also might be like, well, she can clearly have children and she has, she's super wealthy and well-connected. So I could see that part wasn't necessarily, I think that it was multiple times and everybody kept dying was kind of the stretch. Yeah. I could see it happening again, maybe, but hard to say. But obviously it wasn't sold very well in this one. It just seemed a little bit Mm -hmm. of a stretch perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like everybody wanted to marry Sky O'Malley, so you know maybe she just has that's true. Lydia that's true. just has that secret sauce that yeah. But like in terms of as a duke, yeah, I think yeah, he sorry, is yeah. kind of your Bring standard regency standard standard regency duke of the aughts, like the getting into the two thousands. We don't have like the Judith McNaught energy of like mm-hmm. high power, kind of abusive, right. <laughs> energy we're into like oh no we want these guys to be nice guys but they still have to be dukes i have to say it was striking in this case reading such a contrast between montgomery and Greycourt because montgomery is i mean full-blown morality chain he's not a a guy who's been repressing things but like you can still spot the heart of gold underneath right (laughs) he's a disaster (laughs) and so it kind of even more throws into relief, like how much I enjoy a Duke who is just unashamedly Dukeish, as opposed to like mm. trying to be a TM nice guy or, you know, kind of that energy. Yeah. There's one scene where Montgomery is, you know, he's talking to Bridget and they're like walking around the house and he's like, Mehmet tells me I should remove my foreskin. And the people working in the house are like dropping their tools. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and really funny. she's like, she's like, can you lower your voice? Like what is wrong with you? And he's like, why would I do that? I'm a duke. Why? Like, I have a beautiful voice. Like, why would I modulate my tones? I'm the one in charge here. It doesn't even occur to him that the people that are working on his house are even people who he should think about. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But I mean, it was kind of fun banana pants, but I have to be honest with you. In other morality chain books that I've read, there's like a little bit of cushion where it's like, well, there's goodness in there somewhere. He just can't find it. And in this one, it's like, no, he's a horrible person. He's a, he's like a severely damaged person, deep trauma and severely damaged. And it's like, if there's good in there, like he may never actually be able to access it. And it's going to be 100% external. And Bridget's going to be the conscience, like Aaron said. I could recognize some of the changing happening, though. Not changing, the adjustments being temporarily made for him when she would be like well how do you think these servants feel when you talk to them like that and he's like i don't care how they feel and then she's like how would you feel if someone else talked to me like that and he was like oh oh i don't like that 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was really funny. <laughs> well, no, but first she's like, how would you feel if they talked to you like that? And he was like, oh, I would like cut their ears off, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's so – oh, my God. But other, the other thing is like there's this moment where – it's really intense and he kills somebody and like the fact that he has murdered someone, which is technically a capital offense for an aristocrat. It's like the one thing that a lord could be sentenced to death for. And he's just like not worried about it. I mean, they do some stuff to cover it up, but like do they? nobody is clear. worried. I mean, they like remove they the do. body, right? No, yeah. the, he puts a knife in his hand Oh, so, right. and says that it was an assassination attempt, but it mm-hmm. uh, seemingly doesn't leave the household because all the people who are trying to like get up on his business have no idea where this guy even went. So obviously right. the household closes ranks around it. It's the knife was more for the benefit of the household, it seems. Even though it's like made clear that nobody in the household believes it. Right. right. That's what the story is and everyone's gonna just stick to it because they're all terrified of him. Yeah. 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 I mean I love Valentine. Yeah, I think I think what makes him appealing or interesting as a character is that he is i mean he's very unrepentant but it's also he's just like this is who i am and this is what i like and i think i'm awesome and i am just gonna do what i want to do to like continue to be able to live my life and i feel like some of the details about him so he has his his house that he designed himself his grand house in London where he lives and he designed it. So he has like secret passages in the behind rooms so he can like hide in there, which is ridiculous. But he also, uh, it's called Hermes house. And he's like, Hermes is my patron God. And so there's like statues and paintings of Hermes all over the house and they all look like him. (laughs) He's like, he's like, all right, carpenters. I want you to put Hermes, giant statue of Hermes, right above my front door, and I'm your model. Well, the other interesting thing about him is that he is golden. Mm -hmm. He's not a large man. He's, like, beautiful. It says his cheekbones might have been carved by a Greek sculptor. Mm -hmm. His eyes, lips, and nose. His eyes are the clearest azure. Curling hair, the color of polished guineas that he wears long and in a queue. Like, no, he's in a curly ponytail with a giant uh, yeah. on it. Oh, well, fair. I guess giant if you bow. interpret a queue, yeah. So he's like very, and this is a Georgian book too. So it has more descriptions of elegant, colorful clothing. Yes. So there is Although that going his on as well. Look but- is his look um, is his purple bathrobe with a dragon on it. <laughs> oh my God. I love this guy. So he, but so he like looks like an angel, acts like a devil. So we've got some fallen angel energy. So we don't have like the dark hair, darker olive, complected. Right. I feel like you often have these like big, like the dukes are big and dark, and mm. like that's how you know they're powerful. Mm. Whereas this guy is like small-ish and blonde. And blonde with curly hair, like yeah. blonde curly like hair, wings. and he's referred to several times as like he's like a snake. And maybe you'll underestimate him when you first see him because he looks like this like ridiculous fop, but he's just like 
like a snake waiting to strike. And I feel like, you know, our first week when we were talking about Villiers and Falconbridge, who were both like kind of big and dark and powerful, but like you would never, Villiers has some moral stuff he's working through. It's not a morality train, but like you would never refer to him as a snake. He's like big and brutish. And throws his power around. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Like I can't think of a single other romance hero that I've seen described in this way. Well, now we have a mission. Now we have a mission. To be honest with you, I pictured him as being Johnny Depp. So I had a really hard time with the blonde because I was like, nope, he's Johnny Depp. Hmm. Oh, I see. Maybe like Joffrey, which is a terrible comparison, but like Joffrey from Throats. No, Joffrey's not pretty enough. That's a little bit more. That's true. That's true. Okay. Anyway. Because he was just too, he was just too ridiculous. I mean, he was so ridiculous. He was so ridiculous. Mm. Literally everything that came out of his mouth, you had, she had to translate. Some of the times if she hadn't translated it, it would have been way over my head. Yeah. Yeah. It was something. It was fun. Do I think that it felt like a romance to me? I have to say not really. I get that it is. I'm not arguing that it's not. It just didn't feel like a romance novel to me because he was so difficult for me to like get on board with. Well, maybe that segues nicely into the how does how do these guys perform as Dukes? Yeah. Power, wealth, isolation, evaluation. Well, the Sabrina Jeffries is very simple to me because I think that I just didn't feel like it was memorably a Duke book because I read it a long time ago and I had to refresh my memory. And if you had said that, oh, he was something else, like I get the premise was built upon her having like this family of Duke children, mm-hmm. but his comportment, his attitude his the way he carried himself just didn't necessarily feel memorably duke to me yeah i agree i mean i feel like that premise could have worked just as well if she's just like a lady who had three husbands who died and had three sons who were just like mr darcy's yeah yeah mr darcy's an aristocrat really he's just a gentleman um so the other thing about gray court he is isolated yeah but he's like emotionally isolated because he's decided not to talk to his family subsequent to his abuse. Like being sent to England and being abused by his uncle and feelings abandoned by them. So right. he's I- not socially isolated. We don't see very much of him in London, but like he doesn't seem particularly socially isolated among his peers in London. He talks about going to balls and like dealing with normal social things. And then most of the setting of the book is. At his brother's house, way in the country. And it's a family situation. They're just doing a funeral. So it's not like they're having a house party. They're not having guests over. There's not a lot of opportunity to show him as being particularly like loftily isolated. Yeah. Well, and the only other person you see him interacting with is his cousin on on his dead dad's side, Vanessa, who is like his younger sister basically, who, you know, he grew up with. And the way they interact, it doesn't seem like he is isolated from society in any way. He just is, I mean, there's like a stupid plot with his evil aunt that's like happens and then is very quickly resolved. But, you know, he has several interactions with, her name's Vanessa, right? Yeah. Where they're just like kind of like normal People having a normal conversation. And it's also interesting that he talks about his aunt trying to trap him in marriage with his cousin, but it doesn't seem to be a problem for him in society more widely. He's not isolated. He goes to balls, but he's also not like, oh, 
the dragons of the ton, the marriage mamas are out to get me, which I feel like like they would be, common. right? Yeah. If he's like a 30-year-old. Single duke. Like nice single duke. Yeah. So we do, for him, we get, they talk about how he's got money so that he can take care of his people. But also he doesn't have a lot of expressions of power, which right. I think we've already kind of tapped into when we're talking about like, well, could he just be a country gentleman and still achieve the same thing? Maybe this is like what I was saying before, where he's like the nice energy. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, you don't get as much access to the unadulterated wealth and power of being a Right. I mean, yeah. You know, we have this question is, does this book succeed if he's not a duke? Absolutely. A question yeah. about Greycourt. Yeah. I mean, but when you look at Valentine Napier, Montgomery, if we're doing titles, it'd be Montgomery, I guess. So he definitely, his whole goal is having, like, he blackmails people, not for the money, but so he has power over them. So like power, check. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Power, like, he blackmails the king. Yes. Successfully. Like, that is the level of his power. And we learn this in like, what, chapter one or two? Like very early in the book, he blackmails the king. Like in case there was any question of like how good he is at this whole blackmailing for power situation. He's very, he's good, very good at, at it. it. Wealth, his entire house is like covered in gold statues of himself. And isolation, there are several times where he's like, nobody likes me. And that's okay. And you know, he has companionship and he goes to parties and has fun and like has women in his bed and maybe men in his bed too, you know, like maybe, maybe not. But, but yeah, he's like, nobody likes me. And that's the way I like it. Yeah. He's very ace. <laughs> well, I mean, what? Ingrid, do you disagree? And it makes sense. No, well- I don't. And I, I knew going into this conversation, I was, this was like going to be a tough one because I, I, I knew I was going to end up voting for a book that I really didn't like very much because it's a better it is it is a better Duke book. He's a better Duke, even though I was like, "Oh, honey, oh, honey." Holly and I are sharing a room on this trip, and last night I was reading, and I was like, "He kidnapped someone," <laughs> and she was like, "Ha ha ha, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Uh, I mean, Ingrid, this isn't even the first time. Like, not the last. Uh, I want to say book. Eight in the series is all about some other chick that he kidnaps. Well, he goes, there's some like, thing twice, at the beginning where he's like, I mean, I might have kidnapped someone once or twice. Okay, like three times. <laughs> there's a line in the book that says that. It's just so unapologetic. It's very fun to read. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's not a nice man. I mean, he's not supposed to be a nice man. So I, uh, the book succeeds in what it's trying to achieve. That it might not I be anybody, everybody's cup of tea. Well, it's. I think for me, it was just hard for me to envision him as being like a romantic hero because he was so overpowering and he was like so much that it was hard to like. Mm-hmm. Bridget does make some room for herself, but it's like responsive and reflexive of him. So it was just kind of like a very different book but to be fair i think a lot of romance novels are really hyper focused on if it's male female then it tends to focus on the heroine so it was kind of interesting to have a book that was hyper focused on the hero well the Mm anti-hero yeah you know it's interesting that you're pointing out she's reflexive because i think you're right and i think i mean and she's also his servant so there's this huge power differential between them and I don't know where I'm going with this. 
But yeah, thinking about her as like a reflexive heroine. Like at the end of the day, I guess I don't actually know that much about her, except that she enjoys her work and takes pride in her work and likes to read books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it, I think that's maybe that's why I I did enjoy a lot of parts of this book because they were like really well written and it was really funny and interesting and stuff. And it was, it just keeps you on your toes because you keep thinking like, oh, it's a romance novel. Now he's going to do a turnaround and grovel or whatever, but he never does that. I mean, that's not what happens. So it was refreshing. Like I'm going to remember this book, but yeah, it just, I think that's when I say like, it didn't really feel like a romance novel to me. Maybe that's part of it is that it felt like it was very much like the Val show Mm. and So it was kind of like, well, this is all kind of for him. But that, to be fair, like we're talking about Duke books, that kind of makes sense, you know? That's kind of what it is. So anyway. Yeah. So which Duke wins? I mean, <sighs> it's <laughs> like, we all agree not- it's Montgomery as a Duke, not necessarily as the yeah. book that we prefer yeah. more, I mean, although. Like, it might be the book that I perform more because I think it's a more interesting book. Like Grey Court would be a much more pleasant person to live with like 1000%. But if our key question is who is dukier and would this, does this book still succeed if the character is not a duke, then I feel like the only clear answer is Montgomery. It's the truth. Yeah. I have to agree, even though this book had me having palpitations, but yes, it's Montgomery. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Montgomery proceeds to the next round. Boom. Can't wait to see what happens next. I know. So next time we'll be talking about Duke of Ashbury in the Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare versus the Duke of Leighton in 11 Scandals to Start to Win a Duke's Heart by Sarah McLean. And I think this, this is- was, I can't Holly believe you put this so one in the first round. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> well, you know, I did this. I added Duke of Sin to the list to mess with Aaron and I did this matchup to, to mess with <laughs> you know what i mean slash it was not on purpose but yes i think this is gonna be a tough matchup and then we'll see who will move forward we go yeah take on and with that uh for full show notes go to smartreport.com slash podcast and you can also find us on instagram twitter and facebook Although but I'll be really honest, we, <laughs> we haven't Maybe. been really active on the socials lately, but we do like to see you popping up there or definitely comments on the blog. We always reply to. So feel free to get in touch with us, follow us wherever you prefer, just with you know the caveat that we're not super active right now. Keep it smutty, folks. Na 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 smut report.